Hello and welcome back to the Art Saddle Podcast. I am Copper Kelly and I'm joined this week again, as always, by my co-host Keenan Flannery. Say hello, Keenan. Hello. What's the story, Copper? Mighty. The story is mean and mighty. Is that even the right way to say that? I don't think so. It kind Everything's of works. mighty, isn't it? I think <laughs> you gave mighty. out to me last week about saying something was trucking and I meant slow. But uh, I just, I don't know. I don't think before I speak. So I feel like. I don't give out. You stop. <laughs> fucking, that's all you do. <laughs> but yeah, for all the folks listening, um, if you want to get in touch, we say a week in, week out. Um, and we started saying at the side of the episode so more ears can hear it. If you want to tell us a story, if you want to. Come on and sing a non-copyrighted song. <laughs> if you want to <laughs> tell a joke, if you want, if you have anything to say, you can find us at the Art Saddle Podcast on Instagram and the Art Saddle Podcast on Facebook, or you can get us at theartsaddle at gmail.com. And we're always on there looking. Um, and that's all we do. So it's wonderful. We're all, we're gonna see it, and we're gonna get your arm. And um, I'm sure uh, if you were listening last week, um, you heard that we were meant to have a guest on, but I'm sure we'll get into that and Keenan's uh, um, trouble uh, troublemaking ethics <laughs> and stuff like that, and um, that you've seen on the on the pages if you follow us. Yeah. But um, without further ado, El Copper, El. Yeah, the old bit now, right? The old bit, the young, <laughs> young stallion copper. Uh, <laughs> Tell me, what are we speaking about today? What are we yeah, about? so we have a few talking points we want to touch off this week. Um, I suppose the main one you want to talk about is can you fake creativity? So we'll dive into that a little bit. I also want to touch on a bit of tax, a bit of, you know, I know tax is very, very boring. But Very exciting. You do kind of need to know the stuff if you want to look after your, I suppose, your money in this business that we call the music business. So I mentioned the uh, artist exemption tax last week, but I didn't have all the facts in my head. But now I have the facts, so I will share that stuff with you. <laughs> and uh, um, and also, I'm going to ask uh, Keenan. What his thoughts on autotune are as well. We'll get to that as well. Uh, but we also have some news. And uh, but we'll get to the news after I ask Keenan, why is he so sunburnt? You look really sunburnt in the video. I if anyone's like, watching. I, are you are you actually sweaty. red or is just the camera? <laughs> um I don't I don't know if it's like have you been using your sun cream at all? No, not at all. Farmers ah. tan all the way. <laughs> <laughs> See today yeah, um, fifty on you. Today we had um it rained. It was fucking weird weather you get in this yeah, country. Yeah. It rains this morning. I bring the dog out on a walk. Fucking lashing. I stand on the trees like two bleeding two creepers. Do you know what I mean? Outside of scale. It wasn't fucking nice at all. We're standing there hiding. And all of a sudden, sun comes out. My mouth I'm fucking scorching like being in Barbados. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, <laughs> I don't know. The, are, aren't the kids in the exams now as well? Something like that. So, it's, it's, it's the Irish thing where, where kids are stuck inside doing exams. We have the nicest weather, and then as soon as they're finished, they're, 
it's rain. It's, it's always the case, yeah. I've noticed that when I done my leave, and uh, it was the yeah, same. Yeah. It was fucking. Or is it next yeah. month they're doing? I, I don't know. No, no, they started. They started. Um, they have started. A week yeah, ago. yeah, yeah, yeah. Started a week ago. You can even see my arms. I don't think you can see that. Like, but like, uh, if you're watching the video, it's like yeah. oh, it's weird, too shiny. Like... It's too white. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my eyes. I'm blinded. <laughs> I don't know if I should pull down the blinds a bit more. Should I? Ah, you're grand. Know. You're grand. Grand. Yeah, yeah. What What have you been up to? You're painting your bench. You said. <clears throat> Yeah, I was, I was painting a bench. Um, it's not a euphemism, uh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> you set me off. I had everything in mind what to say, and now you've got me just thinking about me bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a cast iron bench. I think I've been I've painted that bench for fucking nearly two weeks now at this point. I think, yeah, we talked but, about last week as well. Yeah, we, Everyone's again, mad to get an update on this bench, you know? So you have to be posting oh, no. pictures on our Facebook oh. or Instagram and stuff now. So It's finished now. It's a nice... Um, it's called English Oak that's on it. It's like a wood. What, like, the, the paint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a nice kind of... Uh, it reminds me of like Saddle Brown, yeah. kind of that colour. So, is it Ronsteel nice. now? Is it, did you Ronsteel? It does what oh, it says on the tin. fucking does what it says on the tin. I did indeed. It was cheap. 11 yeah. euro for a big tub. I said, ah, yeah, sure, sure, I'll get that. That'll do the trick. And so, so I got that cast iron bench. So it's painted black. The cast iron. It's real old fashioned. And I'm going to get Kit down to do um, some, uh, maybe like cowboy kind of fucking old vintage, yeah. maybe painting on it. Um, but that, I think I might do another coat on it. It's it's um yeah, I might do another coat on it, but that's when the weather gets a bit noisier. But um I'm okay, yeah. I have a toothache that I'm going to the dentist about tomorrow. Oh. But besides that, I'm fucking wonderful. How are you, Copper? What have you been up to? I'm not sure. I'm doing grand. I'm doing grand. I shot most of a music video at the weekend. Um Did you know? I have a new song coming out soon called No Front Door and actually sent it off to be mastered. As well, the final mix is done and it's sent off to be max mastered. Sent off to Nick. That's right, Nick over in Audio Animals, yeah, in the UK. Um, and I, yeah, was shooting a music video for it at the weekend. Uh, my mate Declan, he's a neighbor of mine, he does all my videos, Declan Colfer. And uh, basically, we found uh, I was searching for weeks and weeks to find like old abandoned houses. Uh, or like an old abandoned house so I can shoot this music video in because it's a music video it's about you know a family living in this old house and it's it'll all become apparent when you heard the song but anyway looking for old houses couldn't there's tons of them around the place but I want to do it properly I want to find the owner and get permission and so on and so on and I found this perfect one down near Hookhead and I managed to get the address of the owner and I sent him a letter a handwritten letter sent him a CD everything saying please let us use your house to shoot in <laughs> and we'll only be there for an hour or two um, we'll be so good um, but yeah I haven't heard back from that was like three weeks ago so <clears throat> found out my, my mate uh, the bassist in my band Billy Loftus I, he should be listening how are you Billy um, he okay, Billy where his house on his on his land, he has some old kind of uh, farm sheds, and they have nice stone walls. And so we went over there and we shot the video, and I, I got a lend of this old guitar from a mate of mine. Uh, I think it was his mother's guitar, and it's an old like 40, 50 year old uh, Egmond guitar, acoustic guitar. It was made in Holland, uh, but the poor thing is fubar. It's beyond economical repair. It's um, you know. 
his playing days are long gone, but it looks really cool. Um, it looks really old. It just kind of fit the whole idea of the song. So I was like playing this old, out of tune uh, guitar with five strings uh, <laughs> and, you know, singing along with the song and stuff. So music video, we one more shot to do. We lost the sun um, that night. We had one more shot to do. But anyway, that's nearly finished as well. So hopefully we're releasing this single in the next few weeks. But that's been the crack with me. Um, I suppose... I've seen the guitar online. Yeah. yeah. You put up on your socials, um, and that I think I was like, ah, oh, fucking! I didn't know it didn't play though. Mm. Ah, because I yeah, was like, yeah. I thought first of all, I thought it was yours, so I was like, happy fucking day. When I get <laughs> down to you, I'm gonna be robbing a few shots off that. But yeah. um, but yeah, no, it's like just paint is uh, flicking off it. The fretboard is nearly coming off the the neck altogether. The neck is bold. Um. It's yeah. It's been, it's actually been sitting in the conservatory for the last like five or six years, uh, so it's been, you know, um, exposed to the cold of the yeah. winter and the heat of the summer, and that's no bueno for an acoustic guitar or any no guitar. Bueno, it's so it's man. beyond economical repair. It's yeah. It's it's past its tube. But I made use of it aesthetically. It looks cool at least. So yeah, <laughs> made, that's the main made use thing, of it yeah. in the video. Um, but yeah, that's the crack. Hopefully, have that out soon. I suppose if you want to follow me on the socials and you'll find it, you'll see it when I release it. Um, when it's out, we can always, uh, you know, this probably set, should have been set off the record now, but like, <laughs> I always show it in as the intro song on I, the day I'm, of the release, you know, yeah, you can. Well, ah, well, maybe at the end of the episode, we have our intro song as the intro song. That's, the, that's there for ah, a reason. Yeah, but. <laughs> now, speaking of, the intro song was written and recorded by. Our co-host Keenan Flannery here, just in case you're wondering where that intro song came from. <laughs> That's Keenan's doing. That's a fair guy. He had the the jaw harp and everything. Oh, baka, baka, baka. Oh, I can't I do did. the noise. But do you have it there? Yeah, I yeah, I do. <laughs> I do an all. Yeah, it's right beside me. Yeah, well, uh, That's it there. Yeah, jaw cool. harp has a couple of names. Has yeah, uh, most people know it as the Jew harp. That's true. But it has yeah, nothing yeah. to do with uh, uh, Jewish yeah. people, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where um. Probably should have looked this up before I said it, but I, anything I seen, it's not like anti Semitic or anything like that. It just, no. I think it just naturally came to be. It's pretty fun, <laughs> it's great like. sound, isn't it? Oh man, like <laughs> it's a very particular sound. I think that's the thing with it. It doesn't work for it, doesn't work for most things, but when I was making that intro, it worked perfectly. Like, like I done the little uh banjo. Riff. And I was like, I'm obviously going to uh, overlay it with a guitar. I'm going to do the exact same. But when I go, bam, 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 and it kicks in, I was like, that needs, like a Jew hat, that needs to be in there. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so it works lovely. And when I put it in, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> had a real like hillbilly vibe to it. it, is, like, it is. So uh, yeah, that's the intro song is Keenan's uh, masterful work. <laughs> so uh, fair play to Keenan. But I suppose before we get on to our talking points of the day, we'll talk about our news. Uh, so it's news time with Keenan. Welcome back to RTE. It's five o'clock. In today's news, let's pour in more water. More water. More water. News one. Electric picnic. If any of you folks that are listening from the States or 
Europe, maybe, maybe some people in Europe because it's one of the biggest festivals in Ireland. Mm. But um, this is mainly for the Irish heads here. And I know um, there's a couple of festivals that have been cancelled this year and all across Europe, many places have been cancelled. But uh, Electric Picnic um, is quite adamant. They pushed it back uh, to the end of September. I think they pushed it back three or four weeks. But they said it's going ahead. They're very adamant that it's going ahead. Yeah. They got funding from the government, um, which was quite controversial because, like, promote. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you've seen that. That's it. No, I haven't seen it. Um, a fund. I think it was like two twenty-five <coughs> million went out in funding to um promoters, venues, and bookers. Oh yes, okay, yeah. But like. To Tree Arena got funding like that, which look I I'm not gonna talk too much about it because I actually didn't look into it a lot, so I don't really want to give an uneducated opinion. But I feel like <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more <laughs> venues out there that could do where I think they yeah. got like twenty six thousand, and I feel like a lot of other venues could do with that than the Tree Arena, the biggest venue. In, fucking in all of Ireland, like yeah, in all of Ireland, yeah. Mm. But EP got it, um, um, EP, and they got picnic, electric picnic, yeah. EP, sorry, I, I call it EP, yeah, but electric picnic. That they, um, they got the funding, and they're very adamant. They're very um serious about that. They're sure it's gonna go ahead, mm. and it's leaving um punters and gig goes kind of confused, you know with whether to sell the ticket, maybe some of the acts that were meant to play, you know, American acts that yeah. probably can't get over. Yeah. And, you know, will they be going? I, look, I this is the joy of me. I give yeah. you news. I don't really look into them, which, <laughs> but, um, you know, fucking do, do the own research. You'll have Brian Dobson's job in no time. I'll be fucking laughing. I'll be on CNN. <laughs> Um, but no, that's the thing. It seems to be, they seem to have not said anything. They haven't put out any, um, knowledge of what acts are being pulled, what acts are going yeah. on, who's new. Um, so can I ask, like, say, uh, the electric picnic that was supposed to go on in 2020, like probably there was tickets sold and stuff, but people still have those tickets and, are they still valid for this one? And all has that and 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 anything yeah. like that has been talked about, right? Like, so, like yeah, in terms of uh, um, validness for the tickets and all that, it seems like that's the case. Um, but they haven't. What people have been asking, and and a lot of the musicians I would know, is they haven't really a lot. Like, see, a lot of people would have thought that if it went ahead before it was confirmed, if it went ahead. They would have put out some sort of application call, <clears throat> kind of um for artists to play. Yeah, and yeah, then kind yeah. of um lower down, you know, the expectation because I think people are still expecting like grand, grand electric picnic. And yeah. you know what? I think they're still trying to sell it like that. Yeah, you know, they're not really saying much about it. They're just going, 
it's going ahead. Yeah. But like it's noting not like a, there's only going to be five thousand people allowed in or something. They're not talking like that at all. They're talking no, they're oh, saying be thousands and thousands. Yeah, it's going ahead. They're yeah, happy yeah. to say it's going ahead. That's really all they're saying. That's all they're saying. Oh, okay. You know, and I think I think it would be healthy for the Irish economy and the Irish government and the Irish musicians if they went, okay, well, this year we're going to make it an Irish only festival and we're going to get yeah, only uh, Irish artists in. Yeah, that's you know, maybe set idea. it up the same way. Maybe have the big stage up and let mm. people that probably will never get the chance, you know, to play such a big stage to do it and get people. Because at the end of the day, a lot of people at this point are kind of um, desperate need of uh, getting back into live music and, you know, like, I, I know it's like buskings. Uh, I, you know this is off topic, and I'll we'll talk about this later in the episode. But about busking and it kind of coming back. But I think people are dying to see music, regardless of who it is. And yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if they don't give a shit, if it's Ed Sheeran or um Eddie Sullivan from down in the, I mean, you know, Sligo. You know, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You know, it's fucking yeah. yeah so um, I think uh, I don't think they're handling it. The way I would, but sure, only time will tell. What That's do you good. think of it? Sure, look, we have to see where it goes because there was some sort of a concert there last week or the week before in somewhere in Dublin. Where had a big, that was it, yeah. And they had it's like a test test thing or something like that, but there's only a select amount, you know, select people that were allowed in in the first place, and it's not really a test. And 500, 500 yeah. people, and they're carefully selected, I say. and all this kind of stuff. So it's not really a test case or anything like that. But um I look we see how all we can do is see how it goes. But um see how it goes, yeah. speaking of, I have a little bit of news here. Um Metallica uh it has sued their insurance company, well, Lloyds of London, for refusing to pay out after the band was forced to postpone six South American gigs due to COVID nineteen. So back, you know, last year they were supposed to play in South America, you know. Things happen, gigs didn't go ahead. Uh, but they had insurance against, you know, cancellation, abandonment, and non non appearance. So that was the policy. But the insurers are going, oh yes, but there's a clause saying not for a communicable disease. So, um, like they're going against the whole idea of insurance in the first place. Obviously, insurance is like you know peace of mind against something bad going wrong. Uh, but then what is a communicable, communicable disease? Like say if the singer, say if James Heffield had a flu and just a normal flu and he couldn't sing and he had to cancel the gig for that. Is that under that clause of communicable disease because he could give that flu to other people? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, not the, yeah. it's not the big baddie flu, I guess you could say. But yeah, it's just, in fact, yeah, it's, just, uh, it's more of a kind of a, it's not even thing about Metallica doing it. It's, it's kind of, it's more Metallica setting the precedent now for the rest of the music industry against insurance. Because if they are successful with this, it could lead to other, you know, similar cases where bands had to cancel lots of gigs and insurance didn't pay out. But if Metallica are successful at this, then that could set a precedent saying, you know, it's not fair that the insurance didn't pay out. But like, I don't know if you, ha- you you said you're you're starting to drive soon. Uh, have you had to pay for insurance yet? Have you, have you gone down that road yet? No, uh, 
much. So we're getting short on the car we have now and their family's insurance is finished now. So yeah. Uh it's finished in a week, actually. So it should be um we'd be looking more and more, but insurance is mental. Do you know it's what mental, I mean? It's because yeah. even like, when I like you you live in Dublin, which has lots of transport. You don't necessarily need a car, but you were saying to me before that how you, if you want to get out of Dublin, you need a car and you want to get stuck at, you know, wait for buses and all this kind of crap. But I live in the countryside all my life. So as soon as I turned 17, I got a car and I was out on the road pretty much. But the thing is, the first car I ever bought was a 92 Ford Fiesta. I paid 300 euro for it. And what year were you born? I was born in 99. 99. Oh, Jesus. My first car was older, seven years older than you. Yeah, it was anyway. indeed. <laughs> so, this is a 92 Fiesta, manual choke, everything. Was, I bought the car for 300 euro and it cost me two and a half grand to insure the fucking thing. Fuck, <laughs> two and a half grand. Hell. And that was like third party fire and theft. That wasn't even, you know, fully comp. But I've been paying, you know, stupid money for insurance for many, many years. Time obviously has gone way down. Like last, I just picked, got insurance there last month and it was like five fifty for fully comp. Uh, but I've never made a claim. Um, I have three points that are expiring this month, thankfully, in a few days they're gone. <laughs> but anyway, um, but I'm clean, no claims, no nothing. I'm still playing like 550 euros. But, um, and I've never had to make a claim, thankfully. But if you ever have the the hassle of trying to make a claim, the insurance company will try to wiggle their way out of paying you in any way oh, they can. Yeah. They are, like the whole reason for insurance that, you know, you have peace of mind that if something goes wrong, you know, there will be that fallback. But even, you know, it's not guaranteed that even that fallback will, you know, help you out. So it's kind of absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, hopefully like this, I, I want to keep an eye on this Metallica case anyway and see what where it goes because it could, you know, have far and wide ranging impact on the music scene uh, for the, you know going forward and stuff so be interesting to keep an eye on that um, but do you have any other any other spots of news I do I just when you're talking about driving so young I think uh, talk, talked about this of uh, convenience of Dublin you know what I mean and the mini you stack kind of um Wanting to see nature and wanting to see the countryside of it. Because I've always said to people that, like, Dublin is just, it's a different country. <clears throat> Not even a different county. It's a different so you're, country. You're inside the pale. We're outside the pale here, beyond the pale. <clears throat> ah, we're a couple of, <clears throat> a couple of jackines up here, isn't that <laughs> Jackines, yeah. <clears throat> but, um, <laughs> I had an awful experience with your fucking country transport there on uh, Sunday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're supposed gee. to we're supposed to record a podcast we were and then <laughs> Keenan uh, the bus, Keenan Bale Keenan bus um, network failed us yeah we had a we went in the in the intro but this episode we're meant to have um, a talented uh, Dylan Goff or as I like to call him Dylan Guff because I've been <laughs> said it to you take like no that. Guff from you bye. no Guff from you you <laughs> dirty fucker yeah. um, what's on call for <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't hear this. But uh yeah. I was down in a lay town, which you know, on a depressing note, I remember I used to spend so much time in Betty's town, which is like right beside Lay Town. And the place is a fucking ghost town now. Mm. Like the Fantasia, 
It's oh, closed Fantasia. down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's closed down. It was there a few years ago. It's closed. Yeah, I suppose it would be closed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's heartbreaking to see like all these small towns that, you know, they were never like financially great, but they were lovely places, you know, very peaceful. And I can see, you know, unfortunately, Laytown's quite small, you know what I mean? It's like, and hopefully it kind of, you know, it's quite solid community in terms of, I've noticed that when I was down there after I got the phone off, off the phone with you and I had a point and, you know, the, the locals are a bit, uh, they can be territorial at best, you know what I mean? But, um, winding the, the, a couple of dubs up. But, uh, yeah, the bus is either cancelled or, you know, you'd see one coming by early and you'd go, ah, it's, it's early. So let's walk to the bus now and they're meant to stop and they don't stop and there's another one cancelled and because oh, obviously yeah. it's even worse because of COVID now. So, Shit is being cancelled, so we had to, um, you know, silly Keenan made everything postponed. I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> yes, we're, we're here now anyway. We are. It's, it's a Wednesday, and hopefully, um, people are still waiting patiently. Yeah, refreshing the Spotify. Oh my God, I wonder where the arts <laughs> the podcast is. But, um, uh, oh, I've another little bit of news for you. That touched on what we talked about last week, Sinead O'Connor. Remember last week we mentioned that she was retiring, but now yeah. she's not retiring. Yay! <laughs> she must have heard us talking about her. So I said, oh, oh, those lads in the arts saddle, they want me back. They want, they want me back. So I come back out of retirement now because they talk about me so much. <laughs> she's pulled uh, McGregor. So now McGregor's McGregor, fucking yeah. retired about four or five bleeding times at this point. Mm. Um, but she's back. She's back. She's back. She's back rocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like not to be bad now, but like she's ancient at this point, is she not? I think so that's don't be ageist now, Keenan. Ah, oh, give it over now. <laughs> no, I think I think there's a point where I think I don't know. I think I think for her, like she's always been. I said this last week. She's a war course, so she she probably said she probably you know she probably said on Twitter, which um. She probably meant it in terms of a break. I'm, I'm done with showbiz. I'm done with it. Take, you know, basically, I'm taking a break. And then the, you know, the media and all these papers and websites are going, oh, she's retiring, ah. And she probably went, you know what? I'm not. So maybe I have to be like crystal clear about this. I'm not retiring. You know, I'm mm. taking a break. You know, it's well, I think what happened was that she got so much kind of support and nice messages and things. Apparently she said, look, people still want me around. So, hey, look, I won't retire. I think that's what happened, which is actually fair enough. It's actually really positive. <laughs> so fair play. But I think creatively, I, can you ever retire? You know, uh, if no. it's no, if you're if, writing your own stuff, yeah. you know, doing it for yourself and not yeah. keeping up a social media presence and putting out, releasing music and stuff, then you're, if you're not doing that stuff, then I guess you're technically retired. But if you're still writing your own songs for yourself and maybe singing an old song in the pub every now and again or something then that's grand <laughs> oh jeez it's not retiring for any of us then no no but um, um I'll give you a bit of news go go ahead I have a few things here but um Noel Gallagher um no yeah Gallagher. we all know Noel Noel what? Gallagher Noel it's, Gallagher they say Gallagher in England it's Gallagher <laughs> Gallagher Gallagher Noel 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 no. oh. Nullig, Nullig Gallagher. <laughs> Nullig, yeah. 
he is planning a solo Oasis tour, which is interesting because I remember like about what's about a year ago, there was like news going around that he was back talking to his brother oh, Liam. Right. Yeah, and they yeah. were like, oh my God, they're doing a tour. And now he's announced the tour, but it's solo. So it's kind of going like, is it going to happen? Maybe. Do you think Liam's going to... I don't think Liam would like surprise, show up. I really mm, don't think. He's no. doing the Liam and the Flying Birds or whatever that's called. No, it's uh, Noel. He is the Flying Birds. Oh, sorry. He's um, which I fucking know. <laughs> fucking hell. High Flying Birds. High Flying Birds. High yeah. Flying Birds, yeah. But um, um, yeah, what do you think of that? Think about that's Noel. grand if he wants to do that. I actually way prefer Noel as a singer to Liam. Like, I'll, I've never a huge Oasis fan anyway. Um, only kind of starting to appreciate more now in recent years, but I suppose it's always kind of the, the blur. <laughs> you know, when you're when when they were a big thing, it was like Blur versus Oasis. I always prefer Blur, but um, I never really liked Liam's vocal delivery it's too I, I can't Wah. I can't reproduce it but it's too it reminds you of uh, ah. reminds you of Waluigi <laughs> ah. <Wah>. hey, um, <laughs> yeah well I, I like to say Wonderwall a great song I much prefer when Noel sang it it just sounds I don't know he has a better way of delivering the song yeah. so if he wants to sing these Oasis songs himself I'd I'd prefer to listen to that than I would to Liam that's just my preference though there could be people listening to this now screaming at us hey, you, you don't know nothing you don't know nothing so I don't know <laughs> wasn't it for me I think Oasis were the last kind of um, like party rock and roll band like you know this whole like yeah, yeah. you know causing fucking mayhem wrecking hotel rooms that kind of uh, crazy rock life rock so star I think, life yeah. I think Oasis were like the last of them bands you know everyone got very well I suppose it came into the age of technology so there was phones and everything so you couldn't really get away with the stuff that you could get away back in yeah. the 90s so that's, true, yeah. that's probably a big uh, factor in that um, like, like say like Motley Crue back in the day like they would have had up to all sorts of mischief but they they would not have gotten away with it nowadays because everyone's out taking videos and, you know so that kind of stuff instantly share it to Instagram or whatever so it'll be cancelled fairly quickly, I'd say. But um, yeah, that's, that's good. But I want to move on to an issue of tax. Let's talk about tax, baby. Let's talk about you and me. <laughs> so like, I'm, you know, obviously the music business is business. And if you want to make money in music, you want to kind of know what you're entitled to. And this goes for general life as well you kind of want to know what you're entitled to tax wise and all this kind of stuff I think it's very I've only kind of getting into this kind of stuff in the last few years because you don't really learn this stuff in school you know it's not really taught to you and it's like you know all these people with, with a lot of money in the country they know all the tax loopholes and this that and the other exemptions and you know grants and all this kind of stuff but, the general Joe, Joe blogs don't really know about this kind of stuff. So I'm kind of learning and hopefully I'll share my information as I learn with you as well. But this is to do with musicians. So if you are a musician uh, in Ireland, you are, okay, I'll, I'll actually read it out. If you want to go see what I'm talking about, if you go to revenue.ie and um, look for this artist exemption. So if you are looking to apply for it, that's where you'd find it. So basically, 
the overview says, uh, income you earn from the sale of your artistic works may be exempt from income, Irish income tax in certain circumstances. Um, so we make we may make a determination that certain artistic works are original and creative works generally recognized as having cultural or artistic merit. And uh, re revenue can make determinations in respect of artistic work in the following categories. So books or other forms, writings, plays, musical compositions, painting or other similar pictures and sculptures. And basically what I'm getting to is uh, if we if the revenue make a determination for a piece of work, you are deemed to have an artist exemption from the year in which the claim is made. This means the income up to a maximum of fifty thousand euro per annum per year from these works are ex exempt from income tax. So, as a musician, you are if you you have to apply for it first. Of all, you know you have to go on this website and actually make the application, which I've yet to do, but I will. And you should too, Keenan. But um, if you are a musician and you're making money from your musical works or you're an artist, you're a sculptor, you're a playwright, you're an author, if you're making anything of cultural and artistic merit or significance, then you could be um, up for getting 50,000, not for getting 50,000, for uh, um, being exempt for paying income tax up to 50,000 euro. Of course, if you make more than fifty thousand euro, you will be, you know, you'll be taxed on whatever you make on top of that sixty thousand or fifty thousand euro. So definitely, uh, everyone listening, if you are a musician or artist, whatever, go on to revenue.ie and apply for this because um, you never know. So basically, when it comes to, it will be a case you have to um, declare your earnings and so on. But if you can prove <coughs> it's from, you know, gigs sale of music, sale of a painting or whatever it is, uh, if you make 50,000 euro, it'll we won't have to pay tax on it, which is fantastic, I think. <laughs> that, is, that is, that's, that's, in, that's interesting because part of me was kind of like, um, in terms of like creation of product and kind of um, sculptures and, that, and like selling stuff, I, to me, when I first started listening to you, I thought it was just a way for the government to get you into the system. You know, look, let's well, be if honest. If you ever worked you know, a job, you're in the system. <laughs> that's it. No, that's the thing. Yeah. But that's why, that's why this country doesn't want entrepreneurs and artists. They want PAYE employees because it's easier to control and monitor. I think, um, I think a lot of artists, if you're listening, your initial reaction would go, well, if I make money off a CD sale I done on the street, why the fuck would I declare it? Declare, what's, yes, that's the thing know, as well. What, what's the thing. point? But I mm. think I, I'm going to look into it because I am registered as self-employed. I would do work and pay. Pretty simple. I'd send an invoice off to my boss and of what I worked. Um, he'd send me the money and at the, obviously, I do the, it's called a P11 um, every October. I had to do it earlier because I was trying to get grants for college. But um, yeah, every October, you do a P11. You do all your own taxes. And they kind of, and they did, you know, <clears throat> I had to pay taxes. On what I um, made, even though I'm a musician, I have to 
pay mm. taxes. But when I look into that, I paid taxes. And I think the only reason why I paid what I paid was because it counts your <clears throat> social welfare, which, you know, currently at the time we're in now, social welfare, you know, it was a load of things as well as the PUP, mm. you know, the uh, pandemic unemployment payment. So if you're on that, and it's kind of weird doing self-employment stuff and self-assessment because you're trying to like remember do you know, you're trying to remember what the fuck you made. What the, yeah. What did yeah. I believe to make this year? So now we're trying to monitor, and obviously the way PUP jumped up and down, went 315 and kind of went around and stuff. So it's kind of hard. But um, no, I definitely will look into that in terms dude, of. Dude. Look, this won't be, like you said yourself, why would you declare, you know, you sell one CD on the street? Are you going to declare that? Probably not. Like, you know what I mean? But. If it is a case where you can become very popular and you start gigging and you're making, you actually start making a decent amount of money and you don't have to, you know, work anymore or whatever it is, then you will, you know, they will uh, require you to declare that. They're not going to come looking, knock on your door and say, how much did you make this year? You have to declare. But if you don't declare, you could end up getting caught. You could end up getting audited, all this kind of stuff. You always hear of musicians getting in money, getting in trouble, especially in America with the IRS and the tax, you know, uh, like, you know, was it 50 cent got done for tax? Uh, Stevie Wonder, was it Stevie Wonder or was it Ray Charles? I think it was Ray Charles actually. He got done for tax and Quilly Nelson got done for tax. There's a lot of, lot of musicians got done for tax because they didn't know they had to declare things and all this kind of stuff. But I'm just, Saying this for people to keep it in the back of their minds. Like, I'm not making 50,000 <laughs> at all, but I'm just thinking <clears throat> in the future, just in case, you know what I mean? So even if you make, you know, a thousand euro a year, you do, and if you do declare, you want to make sure that you apply for this and so you don't have to pay tax on that thousand euro. Because as it stands, capital gains tax in Ireland is 33% of your earnings. <laughs> yeah, 30. <clears throat> third. It's fucking insane. So if you make a thousand euro, uh, you have to pay 333 euro on that. But you do have a tax exemption. Everyone has a tax exemption up to 1,270 euros. So for the first 1,270 euro you make in, say, profit on selling, say, stock, shares, crypto, anything like this, you f that first 1,270 euro is tax-free. Anything over that, then, you're, pay you're charged 33% capital gains tax. So if you're a musician and you happen to make 50,000 euro and you don't declare on this and you do declare that you've made 50,000 euro and you don't apply for the artist exemption, let's say, you could end up paying, have to have to pay 30, 33% of that money <laughs> instead of nothing at all. So it just, it's something to apply for to be safe, I'd say. Um, I'm going to apply for it anyway. <laughs> so, it's bad, isn't it? Yeah. This it's just like, and I'm, I'm only learning this stuff myself. Yeah, I'm I'm 32 and I only started learning this stuff in the last <clears> year or two. I, I had to look into it myself and start learning this stuff because I wanted to get on top of my financials and, you know, make sure I'm doing things right and not going to get caught out in any way and stuff. Because, you know, as musicians, we're not we're not very business minded. Like we just want to get on with the music and get music and get a vibe going and have fun. We don't want to think about tax and insurance and <laughs> all this kind of crack. You know what I mean? But at, at the same time, this day and age you kind of have to 
um, especially seen as like, you know, if you, if you don't have a manager or an agent and all this kind of stuff, and you don't want to leave too much in their hands because, you know, there has been a lot of stories in the past where, you know, musicians have been ripped off by managers and agents. And I think about Elvis Presley and he's, what's it called? Colonel, Colonel what's, his, what's his manager's name? He's Colonel something and he wasn't a Colonel at all, but he took like 50% of all Elvis's earnings and Elvis couldn't tour outside America because the manager had some like criminal offenses that he couldn't travel outside of America. So he wouldn't let Elvis travel outside of America. All this kind of crazy shit. But anyway. I have a question there for you that's yeah. slightly off on that. Um, but you mentioned about if you have a manager and you don't want to get messed over and that. What is your what is your thoughts on let me rephrase that. When do you think it is appropriate or it's um it's the right time to get a manager or get a management? Because I've noticed now and yeah. um it's almost becoming a pandemic, ironically, of artists having you know, fucking a thousand followers on Instagram, but having a management and like being like signed to a management or like, and I know like sometimes obviously you have maybe like kid stars or you have like someone that's been on like X Factor or something. I get that because that's kind of, you know, the whole, but some people will go, well, you know, my plan is to get a management and then release music through the management. And it's like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like... What's your opinion on that? Well, I suppose, like, I don't have a manager myself or anything like that. I don't have a record label or a deal or none of this kind of crack. I'm completely self... You know, completely independent, such same as yourself, Keenan. Like, you know, in this day and age, we have the technological means um, to make our own music and distribute our own music and promote our own music in such a way. But that only goes so far as well. You do... Like a record label would, they have a promotional, you know, juggernaut behind them. and They can promote you to the upper leagues and get you onto the, the Late Late Show or whatever, you know what I mean? But um, I suppose what I would probably want, like what I would need in order to, I don't know, progress my music career more would be, say, a booking agent in order to get me gigs and maybe get me interviews on radio shows and things like that. I wouldn't necessarily need a proper full-on manager, I guess, because I can manage a lot of my own dealings myself. Because I think that's important as well. If you do want to make any sort of money in music, you have to have a lot more control. You have to, you know, have the you know your own publishing, your own control of your own music. If you write your own songs, obviously, you have to own your own copyrights. You know, this all this kind of stuff. That's how you make money in music. If someone else owns your copyright, you make pittance. If someone, you know, some record label gives you an advance to record your album, you have to pay that back. That's it's more of a fancy loan than a payment. So, and then you end up making pennies on the dollar, whereas they're making the rest of the dollar. You know that kind of thing. So it's, I, I like to have a lot more control over my own dealings in order to hopefully make some sort of money in the long run. But I'm not counting on it, you know, whatever. But I'm I'm nicely set up in case there is a chance to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I get the fair share for the, all the work that I've put in. Whereas 
I would not like some, you know, some fella that doesn't do a whole lot of work to get the fair share or get a huge lion share of my money. You know what I mean? So it's kind of, I think it's very important to be independent. But I would, you know, I would like a booking agent to get me gigs in certain places that I have no contacts in and stuff. But that's that's it. Like contacts and uh, networking is all, it's a huge part of it. And it would be good to have someone on your side that has contacts and, you know, uh, contacts in the business and all that kind of stuff. That's, I suppose, one major thing that I would need. What, what do you think on the whole manager situation? Would you would you get a manager or if you could? No. Um, I think one thing where I always hear people saying uh, with booking agents or anything like that, they say you should only get someone when you can't handle it yourself. Mm. so if you're if you're getting an influx of gigs and you can't organize yourself you can't plan it you're getting overwhelmed that's when you get a booking agent now do i think that's right i don't know i think i think maybe there's benefit getting an agent maybe even getting an agent that you haven't met but someone that's like you know that's why a lot of artists you'll see will have like an american agent an Australian agent, a European agent, and an Irish agent. So when they go to America, they've never met the agent most of the time. They haven't stepped foot in the barter about to play. But because of the agent, because of his way of promoting and getting into touch with people, he knows not she he makes a good book from it. <clears throat> and you know, then you can run this American European World War tour without even and this is only something recently I've figured out. Because I was always like, how do people do worldwide tours? I don't get it. Like, do they yeah. just know people? And I was like, oh, no, they probably have. I realized, oh, booking agent. So I'm like, they probably never met that booking agent. <clears throat> do you know what I mean? Now, obviously, maybe the management hired the booking agent or whatever. So that's probably where it is. In terms of management, um, I think this is just an, a simple way to slip into like the also collective do you know what I mean it's like you know like I think I think if you there's enough information out there for you to do yourself um, and you might not get the maybe results you want immediately but I hate this like <clears throat> fabricated idea that if you throw like three grand at a PR company you're mm. immediately going to be successful. Yeah. You know, I've seen I've seen a great post online about it. Someone going, oh, I have a, a debut single coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get a PR company. And all these PR companies are sending in details for the girl or the man, whoever was to get in touch with. And um, someone in the comments went, uh, basically, they basically said, doesn't matter um if you do it yourself or you sink fucking five, six grand into a PR company. If you're no one or no one no one knows you, mm. how are you gonna fucking get any play? Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. Of, so the way I see it is you build a connection with your local area, even if that's not what you're going for. Cause I know there's a lot of Irish artists that have made it because they've come actually just completely stepped past the Irish scene and went straight to the States or went straight to Europe. Mm. 
right? So Bill, for starters, the way I would, I would tell someone to do it. Now, I'm still here not making loads, you know, so don't fucking, you might take what I say with a grain of salt. But it's, um, build a community with your local area, local radio stations, local reviewers, local artists. Who do, who would do them artists know? Can you get in touch with the people that they know? All that stuff. And then build a community. Whether it's a couple of mates, whether you have what we got going with the collective, where it's a couple of artists, where like none of us are managers or none of us are bookers. But we all know, you know, we've been doing it, you know, doing it long enough to where we know email, we know ways to ward stuff, you know, we can use stuff. And I've always said this, like, and I know a few people haven't used it. And I know, but I've said, like, if you want the, if anyone wants the access to the email, it's there. Now, if you want to email through a different, this is a little voice for anyone out there that, um, I, it might be a bit of a ballsy move, but if you're emailing, um, depends who your email, if you're an someone local or whatever, that's fine. You know, email them to your own account. But if you're emailing someone and you want to be, if you're like, okay, I have to be professional, make an email, you know, make it like, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but like, make a fake record name, you know what I mean? Or make something that sounds official. Yeah. Because they, more than likely, if they're a big company or a big, you know, whatever, they probably won't go, oh, I've never heard of um, Big Penis Records. Never heard of them. I should check them out. So now, is that yeah. what your mind goes to straight away? Is it? <laughs> Sometimes I forget we're recording, and I say, and I go, actually, this is going out onto the internet. Yeah, um, I'm not editing anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> fuck, <laughs> bollocks! Now I need to go. I need to quit music, get a job, in Tesco or something. This music career is done. Well, um, yeah, what you were saying though, people for some reason they don't like people promoting themselves. Like I found that as well. I found out where if I put out an email as Copper Kelly, it probably won't get opened. But if I put out as, you know, the manager of Copper Kelly, you know, I'm yeah. doing it myself, but I have a, more of a chance of it being opened and read. But um, that's just, a, <clears throat> I don't know, it's, it's just human characteristic of people that people don't like people self-promoting. So I, and I'll throw it back to you. Sometimes record uh, radios and papers and magazine they don't like the opposite they don't oh, they don't okay. like the management because when it's smaller radio stations they want to talk to you one thing with that and another thing is you, you you'd be surprised around the radio and tv and paper where if you email them and go hey my name's copper i have a song listen to it they go cool we're gonna play it you go thanks yeah. And typically managers, when you have a manager, they're looking at all the financials of stuff. So yeah. when you even though it's just even though it's you going, Hey, I'm Baba Kelly's manager, then when you email it to a small radio station, sometimes people can panic. Sometimes people can go, Oh, I wanna play it. It's a good song, but like what if they want like, you know, well, and because like, you'd be surprised, like I know we're talking about not knowing much about royalties and we're learning but a lot of these radio heads and a lot of these like paper heads, they haven't a fucking clue either. 
they just see a manager and they think, oh, this is professional. Maybe they're looking for something from me. So then they kind of go, ah, sure you know, it's yeah. an it, it now. I, I think for me, my go to is if I can find, if I can find um a readily available personal email, um, it's usually um kind of a smaller station or smaller paper, email and personally, and especially with papers and TV things, you can be a bit more personal, do you know. If it's fucking something local, you can go, well, I'm local. You know, I'm an artist. I'm upcoming. Only down the road. You know, me fucking, me, me nanny used to read your paper, whatever. But if it's like fucking RTE or the Sunday World, like they want a story and they want, you know, something that, bam, they don't, mm. they don't want to, you know, talk about someone upcoming. Unless you're upcoming with a fucking, some dramatic thing that they can, promote so using the professional manager thing when they see manager they go okay well this person has already done enough they've already done quote unquote successful enough that they have a manager and then depending on how you word the email you know you can you ever hear like M&M's thing about like how how he writes raps and I always I, I I use this in when I'm writing press stuff as well. And hopefully I'm not outing myself. But Eminem said this as a joke on Jimmy Kimmel, um Jimmy Fallon. But he says um, you take a truth and you stretch it. So he was like it was like a skit on Jimmy Kimmel, so basically Jimmy he was like, Alright, so we're gonna write a song with you. Tell me something yeah, you know, that upset you about when you're younger. And uh, he was like, all right, Jimmy Kimmel was like, all right, when I was younger, my dad bought a new briefcase. My mom thought that it would be cool if she gave me the, the old briefcase and I went to school and everyone in school called him Briefcase Joe. And that was like how they slagged him. So Eminem was like, cool. So what we'll do is we'll take that story. Okay, what we'll do is what if your mom killed you and cut you up into pieces and then mailed you to school in the briefcase? And like, it, it, it's funny, but it's also kind of, if you take the kind of message of going, all right, well, if you want to catch someone's attention through press, and this is, if any artists out there listen, take what you are as an essence and stretch it out, you know, really, really dig your heels in and push yourself. Because I feel like sometimes as an artist, you know, we think that if we just get a manager, they'll do everything, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, you need you need to learn to because once you start learning to um obviously not fabricating shit but no. taking stuff that you are and pushing yeah. it you realize that you're a fucking diamond a dozen and you can people want to hear that people want to hear it and if you have that bit of confidence yeah. go a long way. I suppose what you're saying there as well you can say that I suppose as Irish people we we are fla- afraid to I suppose blow our own trumpets. We don't want to go, Ash, look, I'm only doing this. And, you know, it's not, not a big deal, you know. So, <laughs> But if you want to promote yourself and get played music, you have to kind of, you know, big yourself up a little bit more than you're maybe comfortable <laughs> with. Um, so you have to kind of sell yourself, I guess, in a way. Um, and I suppose you have to kind of get over that um, apprehension to 
blow your own trumpet. That's it's like going for a job, you know, filling out your CV. Um, you know, what did you do in this place that you worked for for five years? Ah, I only did this and this. Ah, sure, I was used to it. It's no big deal. But they were like, oh, but you did that task. That's very high skilled. Why aren't you talking about that a bit more? Ah, sure, it's just this thing I was used to. You know, yeah. you, you, you're, you're, <clears throat> you're just used to kind of, you know, brushing off. Ah, it's no big deal. Whereas, you know, if you're applying for a job, you want to go, oh yeah, no, I have this particular skill. I used to do this for five years. Um, I'm really skilled in that particular area and I could use that then for your company and, you know, make you loads of money, <laughs> whatever it is, you know. Yeah. So you have to kind of get in that mindset, I guess. I think um, it's like, it stems back, that, go back, that goes back generations. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I watched a video there talking about, um, talking about Ireland and <clears throat> the history of Ireland. And one of, one of the things you said, financially, uh, people in Ireland never bragged about their finances. You mm. know what I mean? And people that done well in Ireland, you know, um, and it shows like we, we hate, we hate Bono. You know, obviously, you know, Bono's and he said, you know, he's fucking pay our taxes in Ireland, Bono, come on. <laughs> but there's a lot of Irish artists that like Irish people just, I don't know, it's weird that like as a society, sometimes we just don't like seeing Irish people do well. No, I think a, a lot of it stems back to like. It's begrudgery. It's like, oh, that fella has notions about himself. <laughs> well, it goes all the way back to like, yeah. you know, back in the day when like, like, Fucking back in our history, I'm saying back in the day, like it was only yesterday, where typically, you know, if you had money, you had some sort of like loyalist sympathy. Do you know what I mean? With like England and stuff, with like obviously, you know, fucking penal laws and all them times. So people just in Ireland just would don't like talking highly themselves. I think that mm. has gone through like generations because it's just, it's like we don't want to draw our attention. You know what I mean? But I think sometimes if you, I think there's a way of doing it. There's a way of not like tooting your own horn and kind of, you know, being a bit of an ass. Yeah. But also oh, kind of going. That's it as well. Like, <laughs> you know, look, I'm okay. Like, I'm yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, yeah. I can provide this particular thing that other people can't or whatever, you know. Yes. That's exactly. Um, there you go. But do you want to move on to the next point you're talking about with faking creativity? Faking creativity. Yeah. Um, Is it possible? Tell us about this experience that you're having recently and what are your thoughts on this? So, um, recently I've been trying to look at different ventures um, creatively <coughs> and financially. So I said, you know what? I used to teach guitar. Um, I still want to teach guitar, but I was like, ah, take it a step further. I could teach songwriting. And I um, it originally stems back to getting an email from someone that I would have read their ebook. Um, really talented guy. Um, I won't say his name. Um, but he great ebook. Um, it's all about like songwriting and like branding as an artist. And he sent me a thing. Basically said, I'm running a beta course on teaching people how to teach songwriting, hmm. you know? So I was like, that's something I, like, I love teaching, especially teaching kids. Like I love working with kids. I think they're incredible. And I think they, they're more open to ideas of creativity, which makes me feel like I'm a child sometimes. Cause when I write, I'm like, <laughs> and when you see a child, like playing an instrument or writing, there's like a joy that you don't get from like 
an adult that just doesn't want to be creative. So, so I was like, I'd love to get back into teaching. You know, kids, some sort of creativity form. So I got in touch with him, done a little interview. And it was all, all going great. But the price of the course was really expensive. And it was even a, because it was beta, it was even a reduced price. So I was like, oh, I don't have that money. It was mad money. So I said, I'm sure with Google and YouTube, if I look at videos, I can make my own catered course to teach kids. Or adult. You know, teach anyone. It's going to be universal. So I set it up. I, I went, watched all these videos and wrote a little plan. and had a really nice way to do it. And I started practicing with my sister. Because my sister wouldn't be as necessarily creative. You know, she's quite creative. Like, she likes drawing. But in terms of what I do with, like, instruments and music, she wouldn't really be into that. She's not a big fan of, like, listening to a lot of music and stuff. So I was like, I'm going to get you to write a song. You know, and we're going to do it. Every couple of days, we'll do an hour. And we'll keep walking through my little course, see if there's any faults in it. And over time... I started to realize, you know, a lot of my f- favorite artists, you know, would talk about music like, like it's a fucking fairy fart. You know what I mean? It disappears. You can't grab it. Mm. There's no way to get it. And the more, you know, I like reading and I like looking and watching like clips of artists that I like really being like spiritually or like kind of emotionally moved by writing and you know and I'm like oh that comes from a spot that only he or only she can write that you know what I mean yeah but then there's the other part of going well you know producers you know if you're working with a producer in a studio and you go here's 800 quid for the day um, and you walk in the producer can't go Oh, I'm not feeling creative today. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like they have to be creative and they have to think they have creatively. To come up with stuff, good stuff there and there. The good stuff, not on their time, no. but on your time, you know? So, and obviously doing music production in college, I learned that a lot of the lecturers were like, you have to learn to be on the fly creative. And I was like, okay. So the more I thought about it, you know, I never took the charm out of it. I don't think, if anyone's listening, I don't think I should. You know, I should never take the charm out of writing and, you know, kind of like idolizing songs. Like, <clears throat> never lose that because there is a beauty in everything. But I, my whole thing was, can um, creativity be faked? Or I faked is a bit of a dramatic term, maybe taught or learned. And I... I wanted to bring up with you because my thought in essence is creativity can, it can be taught, but authenticity and emotion Mm. through art can't be taught. It can, that cannot be taught. That is something that like, you know, anyone could have written folk songs like Bob Dylan, but no one could have written them no one could have written the song Bob Dylan wrote. Yeah. Do you know, same with like my favorite artist, Towns Van Zandt, or, you know. It has to be in a certain headspace at a certain time, a certain place in her life, in a certain location to come <coughs> up with that idea. And they have a story. Yeah. And there you go. They have a story that they wrote about. 
But as you said, depending on the place they are, they wouldn't they wouldn't have that story if it wasn't for that play. They wouldn't have that story if it wasn't for what they've done the past, you know, for me, 22 years of my life. If I didn't do everything that I did the way I did it, and if anything changed slightly, I probably wouldn't have this song. You know, that kind of butterfly effect stuff. Mm. So everything, people go, oh, well, this event that happened, I wrote this song about this event. But in essence, you wrote it through you based on the past 22 years and how that led up to this point or whoever you're on it. I know that's kind of like getting mad like hippie at this point. I think I've said not to be hippie in every episode we've done at this point. <laughs> um, but what's your opinion on that? Oh God, yeah. get away from me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I suppose um, creativity on tap. Is that like, uh, you mean, is that is it possible you're, you're saying? Well, to what extent can creativity be taught? Like, could you, you, could you teach us, like, you can probably teach someone how to write a song, but um, how depth could the music be? Yeah, or, I suppose I know? could, I could teach someone tools and techniques that they could use in order to make the song, but you can't necessarily give them that spark of inspiration. Um, they'd have to find that themselves or uh, I don't know if that is something that you can be taught like that it's something like learned with experience over time I would I, I would think myself anyway but you can always teach them tools and techniques and stuff in order to put you know put pen to paper and get lyrics out and rhyming schemes and meters and iambic pentameter and you know all this kind of stuff um, so it's all techniques that can be taught no problem but yeah it's that creative inspiration like you could probably teach someone to look, maybe change the perspective on things and look at things in different ways and maybe get some inspiration that way. Well, I suppose it's hard to actually teach, teach creativity. Yeah, it's I like the last thing you said there about um, perspective of stuff. Yeah. And I think that's like, can be kind of done with dialect. You know, if you teach, if you get someone to think about dialect, and the words they use and use it in a different way like yeah. it's raining outside or it's the sky is crying waterfalls <laughs> guys you know yeah, yeah yeah uh you know fucking the rain is washing away all our sorrows oh i don't know <laughs> and i think <laughs> whatever these are things that especially with kids you know it's it's raining and that's it. That's all that is. Water coming out of the sky is rain. And then, you know, over time, kids are inherently creative. You know, it's the reason why they ask so many fucking questions. You know, all all the whys. Why? Why? There's a point where, you know, adults that stop being creative, stop asking why. And take it a step further. Kind of get annoyed when kids ask why. Mm, or just true. is. Why? Yeah, it just is. It just, yeah, it just is. Stop asking questions. Well, why is it just? Yeah. Who made it just? Yeah. You know, you didn't make it just. You're just accepting it is. Mm. You know, and this kid just, this kid does doesn't know <clears throat> left from right. You know, up from down until you teach them, and then 
teach them a training and then after time you can you can blow their fucking mind by going well training but what do you see it as and they go well it always looked like someone was crying it's like I guess that's what that's what it is yeah and then you have it in a song and then all of a sudden you start linking that with emotions and going well crying is a sad thing or this is a sad song because you know like this is a sad song because someone is crying the song is is the song is um smiling through the clouds then you're like oh there's a bit of positivity into this song because there's this line the sun is shining through the cloud uh, you can help people um write that you can say they can go watch sunny Tem- oh, let's write a song about the day you went to the beach hi right, it was sunny was it was it was the sun smiling oh yeah but then the minute you leave it depends on how as you said you can teach them to write a song give them techniques but that authenticity of really thinking about an event whatever you're writing about not going well I went to the beach okay I went to the beach da 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 like when you if you can if you teach them right that's where like their true authenticity and true depth comes in and they start going okay well I was at the beach but like I remember the sand, you know, blowing in my face and say salty and the ocean was really warm and, you know, it was, it was like getting a hug, or, you know, and then they start thinking of this, like, you know, a lot of people would typically call it outside the box. But I just think it's a bit, I, I think I'm more of a swerving, do you know what I mean? Because mm. everyone thinks on a narrow road. This is how it is. The road is like this. But like, you know, you haven't turned your head. You're looking straight. It's raining, sunny. I right, look to your left. What's over there? Oh, just fucking. Oh, that's you know. And you start as you look around, you start being more aware of your surroundings, and all of a sudden, you start, you know, grasping things and putting them together the way they're not typically put together. So um, that's my view on them. And I think yeah. uh But uh, I remember when when you mentioned faking creativity earlier, I instantly went to AI in my head, it's like. It is possible to fake creativity nowadays. Have you heard about recent, I think recently, um, someone fed in like every note and lyric that Nirvana ever played into an AI and that AI then created from scratch uh, a, a Nirvana type song. And when you listen to it, it's like, oh shit, that could be a Nirvana song. Like the lyrics don't necessarily make sense, but they're... You know, it's in a you know a proper meter and the tone and everything. Like, oh shit! <laughs> you know, this is could be the thing way way things are going. Like, music is just going to be created by AI. <laughs> so it's it's uh it's you know something to think about as well. It's a future. Obviously, look, it's not going to have the human touch, but it's you know. Yeah, I think it all stems from that. I think people like everything. People tend to think of like solutions for now. You know, like people are going, well, if we put in like unmanned cash registers or whatever, change will always be right. People won't have to wait. But then it's like, well, I love going to my local shop because I always run into the same fucker. You know what I mean? You start chatting. You go in there for for a drink and all of a sudden you're there for an hour just chatting. 
You know what I mean? You never, you're never going to get that. Yeah. And I think people, um, a friend of mine said to me today, um, said a great line, um, we, we were never meant to be disconnected. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Social media and that, yeah. And I think it stems, it, it's the way everything is going now. Like he was talking about social media and the anxiety a lot. Because I was saying, I'm like, oh, I'm getting a lot of anxiety you know, anxiousness from it. And when he was saying it, when he said that line and he kept going on, something clicked in my head that I think stamp is the root, like the root of country and folk music. And it's stories, storytelling and folklore. We have stories from the past in Ireland. We have stories from all different countries. We have stories from people we've met. When everything's online and I know what you had for breakfast three weeks ago, when I run into you, I'm not going to have a story. You're not going to have a story. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's a beauty of going, well, you have my phone number if you need me. You know, I'm not on social media anymore. I'm off. Okay. Two weeks later, I run into you. How's things been? Oh, I did this. So I did that. You know, and, it, 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 and I think there was always a limbo. Um, and this is obviously me, like maybe criticizing the time I'm living in typical fucking typical youth no <laughs> but there was a point in like the you know the 90s early 2000s where mobile phones were a thing so you could keep in touch with people but there was no social media so there was no like constant connection so like I could ring you if I need really really needed to or I could just run into you and it could be really nice because I could be having a bad day and I run into a friend and it's nice and it's sporadic and it's not, you know, with social media, you feel like you always have to plan everything, you know? I, yeah. I don't know, I might be going off spiel. Like, as I said, I keep forgetting to record, man. <laughs> but anyway, we're nearly coming up to an hour and a half. So I said, I'd ask you this quick question. What are your thoughts on autotune? For people that obviously don't know, might not know what autotune is, autotune is like pitch correction on vocals. So if you sing out a note, you can basically just grab that note, bring it up to the right note, and the listener might not even notice. What is your, what is your thought on autotune? Have you used it? What's your experience with it? <clears throat> What's my thought on autotune? <clears throat> First of all, I want to say, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sorry. It's gotten extremely dark. You can't, can't even see it. <laughs> <clears throat> and I don't, I like, I, I was gonna get a, turn, you got a light room on. Light. turn on your room light that'll, that'll help that's the thing but I was like what's the point of getting up and fucking turning it on <clears throat> right at the end oh look there at we that. go there we can see you <laughs> should have done that fucking should have done that an hour ago there we can yeah. see you perfect uh, <clears throat> there we go but um in terms of my opinion on autotune first of all I want to say that like anything in like the mixing and like editing world, it is a skill. You know, I've messed with it a few times and it's always been painfully noticeable. Mm, yeah. I know you have like, I know the industry standards is a thing. For anyone listening, it's a thing called Melodyne, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Am Melodyne right? is one of them. And then you have Me Antares Autotune is another one. I know yeah. Melodyne is the one that they would typically use. Um, 
stuff that isn't necessarily like hip hop or heavily auto-tuned stuff like if yeah. you're doing it's the more subtle one that you wouldn't yeah. want to notice the difference yeah and i've done that i've done it used a bit of that in college um and i've messed around with like the like the really mad fucking mm. shit um i've never been able to get it to sound really natural um and i other people that have used it and other people that i've seen using it I think personally for me, I like rawness in my records and stuff I record. Yeah. And like, it does add a polished sound to the vocals, but I don't know, man. I like I think I think sometimes the essence of like folk music is mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what a yodel is, isn't it? At this point, you know, yodel is mm. just a mistake. But yeah. I, I think um, that's why I like kind of doing live stuff and trying to kind of record live, trying to record true without editing too much. Because the minute you record like verse by verse by verse, okay, I'm going to record the guitar for each pair. I'm going to record the vocals for each pair, the bass, and do everything sectional. It's literally like recording fucking four or five different songs because they all have a start, a middle, and an end. Do you know what I mean? Your verse will have a start, a middle, and an end. And, you know, you will notice because you're recording it yourself. You will start to notice that it kind of feels like it stops and goes in. And I think when you over-polish stuff like that, I like to kind of run through everything, play it all through. And you'll, you'll notice some of me stuff. Um will go in and out of time with a click. Yeah. Even if I, most of the time, I don't fucking use the click because I sometimes yeah. would just sit down and record. I think that's like, it's genre specific. And I, I think a great lad that we talk about and he'll be on the podcast soon, look, Fionn Griffin. Fionn Griffin uses auto-tune on his mm. hip-hop stuff and he's kind of, yeah. he said he's slowly um, wheezing off it. I've always said it to him that um, my thing is just learn what your range is and learn how to, if you want to push out of that range, practice or learn how to manipulate it. But there's no point going, you know, or if you want someone that's out of the range as a backing vocal, get some human interaction because, you know, you sing the exactly same thing and you auto-tune it up. You know, depending on the genre, it will it'll sound but, different. Yeah, it'll sound weird. Yeah, like if you're doing hip hop and yeah, yeah, for genre for yeah. hip hop or something, yeah. they could work. Yeah, but could yeah. you imagine like when your tracks like um, Jackson? Remember when you done Jackson with Hedda? Yeah. Would you imagine if you didn't have Hedda, but you had like an auto tuned version of uh, you like yeah, pulled yeah, up? Yeah. This that like just sound really strange. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I think it loses its touch, and yeah, that's my opinion. Fuck yeah. auto tune, but delete it. So now, now. Well, look, I think it has its uses, it has its places, but I've noticed in on Irish country scene recently, there's been a few singles that have come out, and I won't name names right, but by Jesus, you'd notice the auto tune. It's like apparently fucking obvious. It's like you hear the warble in the voice, like oh my god, that is auto tune to tell him back. Like I think if if a singer has to auto-tune 
so much to, in order to get a listenable performance. I think that singer needs to practice that song a lot more. But when I'm recording myself, I will try to take as many takes as I can to get the right notes and get, you know, and so on and so on. But there might be a case where I've done 10 takes and, I'm, I'm, you know, a few days later and I'm, I'm editing and none of the takes have that exact <coughs> note. It's just slightly flat or something. In that case, you might just take that one note and just push it up, you know, a semitone and you're fixed. But if I'm using autotune, it's literally, it could be one note in the whole song. But I look I look back at my first album, Worthwhile Waste of Time now, and I didn't use a tap of autotune on it. But I listened back, it's like, oh, I could have used autotune there. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that little bit there. Oh, I could have just, I could have just touched that up a little bit. But um, I think if it's a case where you have to rely on it, to sound any way decent, I think, oh, okay, hold on. You have to come back to the drawing board a bit. But it works in some genres like hip hop. Perfect. Uh, I think Travis Scott, he sings live with the auto-tune on it, like, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's just, that's the sound you kind of know what's auto-tune, like T-Pain. He's, uh, you know, I'm on a boat, man. No, fast, man, man. T-Pain. It's yeah, so yeah. funny hearing his name, man. Like, yeah. Oh, he's, he's, I've been hearing him on podcasts recently and stuff. Really? He's, Is he so kicking a, it? I dude, thought, man. He's so, thought, he's such a cool dude. Like, I thought he was, he was on the Steve O podcast there recently. He told what us, the? he was saying about how he had, he made $40 million and he lost it all and he's starting to make it back here again. It's crazy. He's an interesting dude. But, Check his vocal style there. back in the day and his hip hop stuff it was completely it's like Cher Cher I think the auto-tune came out in like the late 90s so Cher got it and used it as an instrument and it's on Believe you know if you believe in love after love whatever that and it was completely very obvious but it's a stylistic choice yeah um, and say T-Pain has used it as a stylistic choice as well that's very cool I think um, but if it's a case where you're using it to cover up how bad a singer is. It's like, ah, okay, hold on a second there. It can, I, I don't mind it being used to just kind of slightly polish the, the singing, you know, just to use it as a tool in order to maybe elevate a performance in a small bit. But if, if they rely on it, it's like, oh, okay, hold on now. Maybe the singer should really be able to hit those notes. But um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic and people have varying degrees of thought on it as well. Um, but I, I guess you, you've never used it on your own vocals anyway. Like I, I don't think you'd need to either, because I know you can sing. Like, but I know it's not always the case that, like I, I myself, like I don't always hit the right note every time specifically. Like there might be one note in the song that might be a little off, so I may just touch it up. But other than that, I, you know, barely use it. Um, but, but I think I said this to you before. As a tool about on, yeah? fucking um, uh, vocal lesson and vocal training and how like you can almost if you were a row of 10 singers and you said to me one of them has gone to vocal lessons yeah you can almost point them out yeah they have control they have power they have they have this technique yeah look and i said as i said music is a personal choice but i strive for that kind of storytelling really strong authenticity kind of emotion and you can't teach that you really can't and when you if you try sometimes you get artists as I said um, you mentioned earlier on country uh, um, asking you won't name names and I won't do the same but I feel like there will be a point man 
when we get out, we'll have to talk about when, when, what is the point that this podcast gets big enough that we can start name dropping people? Because, uh, man, fucking, we need to get this going. We need to get some podcast beef going. You know what I mean? <laughs> we need to start, some controversy, we need to start calling out people <laughs> in the country saying, hey, you, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, no, down to cause problems. Peace and no. love. Peace and love, man. Peace and love. <laughs> poke, poke at people. Are you? Yeah. Well, I suppose but, with um, that we can. Do you have any more to add, or will we round out this no, no. episode? I was just. Yeah. No, I think. Um, I think you can teach authenticity. Yeah. So, um, auto tunes can do so much. That's a wonderful feature, and it's such a yeah. creative, creative tool, as you said. It's a beautiful creative tool. Like everything, use it creatively, yeah. but but you, you can't really. It's not to be used as a crutch. I don't think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but anyway, uh, that has been our episode of the Art Saddle this this week. And if you're still listening this far, thank you very very much. You must actually kind of like what we're doing. So if you do, uh, make sure you hit like, subscribe, follow, share. Leave us a review on Do any you platform believe you can. In love? So you said share, so you got me excited. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell your friends about this. Uh, write us in some stories. Write us into our podcast. DM us, slide into our DMs on the socials. Um, I think our, our email is uh, the artsaddle at, the artsaddle at gmail.com. Uh, so. so if you want to appear on the show, if you have any thoughts and theories that you'd like us to talk about, any experiences and music that you like to talk about or any if you want to rant and rave about something just write us in and we'll talk about it on the show um but i think that's all for for this week keenan uh unless you have anything else to say um no i uh i think i i got a message there from the old dylan goff about um potential day for the podcast so um it for sure, the next episode, folks, will be with Dylan Goff and we'll be talking about cool. nature and art and kind of the yeah. link between the two. And it's going to be fucking awesome. So yeah. tune in. He worked in the Amazon and where else has he worked? The it's Alps. Interesting. The Alps and the Amazon. Yeah. It's oh, geez, we, And he's an interesting fella. And he's, the Amazon, the actual rainforest now, not the Jeff Bezos. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's a funny cunt when I, I rang him there the other day and... Oh man, the slagging still be going, man. I'm looking forward to getting them on now. And, yeah, we go crack. Um, yeah, getting um, it's gonna be good. So it's gonna. I think uh, considering um, he's a fourth guest, I don't think we could have picked the fourth, a better fourth guest. So I'm looking forward yeah. to it. And um, from me, that's everything. Um, I have nothing else to say, and I'll let um, hop on knock it out of the park because. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for listening. This far, if you're still listening. We'll be back next week. Um, of course, we have this audio version on Spotify and stuff. We have a video version on YouTube. Make sure you go over to YouTube and hit subscribe. Even if you don't watch the YouTube channel, go over and hit that subscribe button anyway to our channel because that'll help us out. And hit the like and leave a comment and all this kind of stuff. Interaction and engagement Interaction. is the name of the game. My good, my good people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's it for us. And uh, we will talk to you next week. But uh, that's it. Over and out. Peace out. Thank you.